Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's a May 27th, Friday, and uh, we have a treat this week. Normally, we have guest week, uh, guest day on Thursday, and we did yesterday. We had Chad Robichaux, man, and uh, Steve Toth, uh, Texas uh, Congressman Steve Toth, and uh, what a great story. I do apologize again for some of the uh, difficulty with Chad. He was out at Camp Pendleton in California, so we had a tough time <laughs> Uh, getting uh, through the cell phone, but we did get some good information, and I hope you were encouraged by that. You can go to SWATradio.com and listen uh, to that. That program should be up so you can uh, go and listen. And uh, what I loved most about what Chad said yesterday was that you don't have to give up being a warrior to follow Jesus, and that's true, and a lot of men don't know that. And I have another warrior in here today. Uh, he has a ministry called Iron Sharpens Iron, uh, and I met Brian back in, I think, about 2008 or maybe actually 2006, uh, which, gosh, that's uh, 16 years ago. That's okay. hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Brian Doyle has uh, had a heart for men for a long time. And uh, I think we've had Brian on before, but it wasn't a full-blown what Brian's doing. And now he lives in Jacksonville. So Jacksonville is very blessed to have Brian Doyle living here. Brian, welcome to SWAT Radio again. Uh, glad to be with you. Yeah, and you um, are doing this thing. Actually, Bob Grauman, who is a good friend of yours and a good friend of the ministries, was telling me the other day about this fatherhood tune-up. And, boy, do we need a fatherhood tune-up in America. I think uh, in light of what we saw going on in Uvalde and up in Buffalo, and you're you're from up north, right? I, I mean, am like from Connecticut, uh, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's the northeast, the southwest, the northwest, or the southeast. It seems like there's a real gap in fatherhood in this country, in there. Well, I mean, what what I've seen over the years. So I'm a dad. I've got five kids. They're 19, 21, 23, 25, and 26. Uh, what I've seen is that dads are just pretty much marginalized. I expect them to be marginalized by secular culture. What breaks my heart is that the Christian culture marginalizes dads, not in a mean way, but just in a pragmatic way. In other words, guys like me who've got kids, uh, the, the church doesn't equip me for my role as a dad. Rather, the church with good intentions, by the way, again, not with a mean spirit, with good intentions, attempts to do my job for me. So I become a disengaged man, which is really what we're talking about when we talk about fathers. You have men who are fathers all over the nation, both in and out of the church, who are disengaged, sometimes completely disengaged, don't have anything to do with their children, but often uh, are living in the same home as their children, but are emotionally disengaged, uh spiritually disengaged or not taking responsibility for their life in Christ, if it's a Christian family, uh, are giving away their responsibility. I call many men in America a, a general contractor when it comes to uh, their family. Mm. 
They write checks. What do they really do? Well, they write checks. They don't really do a lot. They, they're responsible, and but the way they execute their responsibility is by finding people who have experience and expertise, whether it's in education or maybe music, maybe in athletics, maybe in spiritual things. Whatever it might be, they find them, they get their family connected to it, and then they write the checks. Because that's part of the professional culture of America is we find people to do things who have expertise. But you can't give away fatherhood. Mm. You have to be the dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't give away being the dad. That's your role. I mean, so, it's, yeah, so the church, I, we did a survey, Doug, uh, 2016, I think 16, 17. We surveyed thousands of churches across America. And we asked uh, churches, have you ever done have you done anything uh, to equip and train your men who are fathers? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we said, give them a choice. In the last year, in the last five years, in the last 10 years, in the last 20 years, never. Mm-hmm. And so the result was there were some who had done it in the last maybe 15% in the last year, maybe a few percent in the last five years, a few more percent in the last 10 years. But right around two-thirds, around 65% of churches in America, of mm-hmm. which thousands took this survey, they were self reporting. And they said, no, in the last 20 years, we've never done anything to train the men in our church as dads. Now, we've also asked dads, what's the most important role that you play? So for a man who has children in his house, Mm -hmm. we asked those men, what's the most important role? And we gave him the choice, Mm -hmm. being a disciple of Christ, being a provider, you know, bringing home the bacon, being a husband, being a, a servant, being a father, we gave him a list. Well, by far, men men choose father is the most important thing I do. So you put these two things together and other things, you realize men acknowledge the most important thing that they do if they have children under their roof is being a dad, and yet the church is not doing anything to help them. Now, is it church's fault? Well, I would say it is the church's fault, but is it the men's fault also? Because Men aren't banging on the door of the local church saying, we need help. And no no man's doing that, really. Well, I, I, you know, one of the things, Brian, I've been surprised at is the number of churches. Literally, in I'd say in the last uh, few weeks, I've talked to at least three pastors and said, well, so tell me about your men's ministry. Oh, we don't really have a men's ministry. Right. And it's... You know, I I get that you don't have a formal men's ministry, but you do have a men's ministry because right, you have men. You have men in your church, right. and one of the one of the things that I've always appreciated about Iron Sharpens Iron is that you have tried to bring a focus to men discipling men there. Right. It's not that women are not important. Women tend to do a pretty good job of connecting, but as men, we tend to be isolated, don't we? Well, I mean, it's part of us being an American man. Yeah. I mean, American men in general, whatever your faith might be, Mm -hmm. consider uh, standalone to be a strong suit, not Mm -hmm. asking directions to be a strong suit, uh, competency to be a strong suit. And Mm so being discipled by another man immediately puts you in a American men, not not Latin men, maybe not African men, not Asian men, but American men. You say, well, you know, I don't really need that. I mean, even I invite guys to, uh, you know, we mm. do these iron sharpens iron conferences and they go like, 
well, when, and I've had a guy ask me, what is it in me that makes you think I need to go to one of these conferences? <laughs> so, I mean, I go like, well, I don't know, maybe you're breathing? <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> you're you know, alive and, and you're a man? You, it looks like you want to be God's man. This is just a sharpen. It's called iron sharpens iron. It's It's not for the guys who are down and out on the street, homeless, can't keep a job. You know, that's not our constituency. The constituency are the guys who just want to continue to grow in Christ and mm. be a fully devoted Christ follower. Well, I mean, you you put something on social media a while back, uh, talked about the devaluation of masculinity, and you just reposted it, and it said, it won't end well because feminine passive, and passive men don't stop evil. Right. Well, that goes back to your warrior comment. Well, well, I mean, there, there's people that actually believe that um, to to be a follower of Christ, we have to almost become feminized a little bit. You know that there's something feminine about it, and I I think every time I hear people insinuate that in any way, shape, or form, Paul's comment to me: "Act like men." You know that 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 little phrase that he throws in there uh, is like, why would he have to say that? Why would right. Paul say that if you had to become feminized in any way, shape, or form? I do think it's happened a little bit, um, again, because we've become disengaged, uh, as as you were talking about. You, you have not only had to be the man in your family, but you've also had to kind of take up the slack because God brought your wife home a few years ago. How many years has it been now? Four years. Yep. Four years. Um, and I know it was a process because she struggled with a, an illness. Uh, yep. It wasn't suddenly, but it didn't make it any less painful because she was your 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 soulmate. Um, talk a little bit about for the guys that might be out there that struggle because of a, an event like that in their life, and maybe they're angry at God, or maybe did, did you struggle with that at all? I mean, you've you've been a believer for a long time, but that doesn't make you immune right. from feeling those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have to walk through some of that at all? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, first of all, walking through that is a journey for anybody and everybody. But I would say this. Someone like you invested in me when I was a younger man, before marriage, before all that kind of stuff. Someone invested in me and helped me to walk with God. Help me to read my Bible mm-hmm. daily. Mm-hmm. Help me to pray with faith. Help me to yield to the Lordship of Christ. Help me to be a Christ follower. Help me to give my time and energy to helping other men be Christ So what I'm saying is that as a younger man, before I stepped into some of the most important roles of my life as a husband and father, I was discipled. I was following, not just because I went to church. Yes, I went to church. But I also had the privilege of men and multiple men investing in my life, uh, causing me to go deep with God. And honestly, the fruit of that has been lifelong, but especially when my sweet wife, Barb, Mm. uh, got the word that she had stage four cancer, and we had to navigate those months of... uh, you know, battling that together, shepherding her, mm-hmm. shepherding my children, shepherding my extended family. This is, you know, you ask me, guys ask me, why am I 
so fired up about ministry to men. Well, just think about what's happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Because I was discipled as a fully devoted Christ follower and, and was following Jesus with all my heart, when something like this happened, where my wife gets stage four cancer, battles it, uh, ends up going to heaven, and I've got this five kids who are basically teenagers, an extended family, a, uh, friends who are all broken and devastated. I get to step into that. I get to step into that and shepherd what I would call God's flock that's under my care. I get to care for people, mm-hmm. get to help them walk by faith. I get to help them learn to grieve. I had to learn to grieve. I help them learn to grieve. I help them to uh, believe God and, and not get angry at God, but express their emotions to God. I get to do all that, and that's what men do. <laughs> that's why I want to disciple men. That's why I have ministry to men, because I personally, as I read the Scripture, I think this is the design of God. You, you, the church can't do this. The church is us, obviously. But a lot of times when we go through these incredibly difficult things, we look to the church and we think, the church is not up to the task. Really, it was my responsibility. No one could do when my wife passed, no one could do what I could do. It was me or really nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just so grateful to go back to my 20s when men invest in my life. I'm investing in guys right now who are in their 20s. They, isn't, they, isn't that a great thing? Oh, I mean, my goodness. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I'll t- share this story with you, and you'll appreciate it. Um, uh, this past week I got a call from a guy that um, – about 10 years ago, I, I did a Bible study for a bunch of teenagers yep. at the invitation of, of a friend. And and it was all athletes, and, and it was just a weekly thing. And, you know, I, I did it every week, and I got to know some of the kids. Some of the kids prayed to receive Christ. Then they went on with their life, and, I, and they went off, and I didn't hear from them. Well, I got a call from one last week, a thousand miles away from here, and he's in trouble, and he has a need. And 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 the thing is, it's not a a what I would call a logistical trouble. Like he's not in trouble with the police. He's not in trouble. He's in trouble spiritually. And he hasn't reached out in ten years. He's just been trying to figure it out. And he came to the place where he didn't know who to call. And he reached out, and I connected with him. And the first question I asked him is, "Do you have a Bible?" Uh, because you, we make an assumption that everybody has a Bible, and that's where they go. And so I always ask people, the first question I ask, do you have a Bible? Second question is, are you reading it? Yeah. And 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 the answer was, I don't know where a Bible is, and I haven't been reading it. Right. And I can honestly say in my life, Brian, looking back, every breakdown in my life spiritually occurred when I wandered from the Scriptures and the truth of God's Word. And, and and fortunately, I also had people that discipled me and helped me, um, and and it was just a privilege. This guy's in his twenties, and and I it was like God just says, "Here's another guy you can pour into," because this is the future. This guy's going to pour into somebody else, and and I asked him. I said, "Why did you reach out to me? Because you've had ten years. I'm sure you've met other people." And he said, "I just remember your love for Jesus." And you were real. It wasn't that I was the best teacher. It right. wasn't. It was just your love for Jesus, and you were real. And so I told my guys at SWAT this past week. I said, "Listen, just be real 
and model a love for Jesus. Right. That's what people want. I think they, when they come to a point of need, those people in Uvalde, there's nothing that can help them but Jesus. There's really nothing that can give hope to anybody going through that kind of trauma. And uh, Chad Robichaud yesterday was on talking about, um, you know, uh, how Jesus changed his life. He was struggling with PTSD. The 23 veterans die every day, men who need help. And there's a lot of Jesus followers in the world that feel uh, ill-equipped to minister to somebody like that because they think they got to answer all the questions and they don't. You just got to know Jesus and be willing to be present. My, my friend John Mazel says 90% of the ministry is showing up, yeah. you know. And so I appreciate the fact that you showed up. And I want to talk a little bit about this fatherhood tune-up. Yeah. Like, tell us, what one, what it is. Like, uh, like let's say a guy out there is really struggling. He is that guy who's disengaged. Right. And he would like to, to get help with you. And you said earlier he can go to Iron Sharpens Iron to get in contact but then what are you going to do with him? Well, again, go back to what we'd like to do with every guy in every church. So before I dig into this father, let me give you a little 50,000-foot picture why I'm so fired up about something like this. When I go to a church, I will, even my own church, I'll step back. I'll go to the back of the sanctuary sometimes, and I'll look at the people that have gathered with me uh, maybe on that Sunday morning. And you'll see clusters of people, you'll see the same. Our listeners would see the same. And I, I, I like to ask pastors nowadays a, a very simple question. It's kind of a trick question, so I'll admit it. I'll say something like, hey, what do your numbers look like on Sundays? And they'll go and they'll give me a number. Let's say they give me 200. Okay, 200. Now, is that constituents, people, or is that families? And they'll kind of go, uh, what? <laughs> is that like people or is it? or the 200 households. Oh, no, it's people. And I'll say, well, how many households are you shepherding? How many households attend church on a weekly basis? And they'll look at me and they'll think, and they'll think, I don't really know. So why, why do I share this? Because, again, back to the design of God, you know, we live in 21st century American Christian culture. Yeah. Which has got pros and cons, I'm sure. But we also have the Word of God which as we dig into it, because as you shared, you know, that's the Word of God. That's where we find our fuel. That's where we find what God's intentions are for us. As we dig into the Scripture, we see that really it's the family that's the customer of the local church. It's the household. Mm -hmm. You know, I was uh, sharing a message at a conference just last month or maybe earlier this month uh, back to Joshua from Joshua 24 where Joshua declares and Mount Shechem, he says, as for me and my household, mm -hmm. we will serve the Lord. It wasn't just me. You know, a lot of times in our American Christian culture, it's very individualistic. Yep. You know, Doug has his faith. Brian has his faith. Joe has his faith. Mary has her faith. Betty has her faith. We all make decisions for Jesus. And there's some, that's probably truth in all of that. But for Joshua, he declared that it wasn't just him that was going to serve the Lord. It was his household. He was he was raising his hand and taking responsibility. And it's, I'm quite sure as I open up the scriptures that that's certainly God's intent. Well, from Deuteronomy, you would think so. Certainly Deuteronomy 6, right? Yeah, Deuteronomy 6. So here's Moses. He's talking to the men. He says, this book of law shall not depart from you. So, you know, impress them on your children 
talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you rise up, when you lie down. Because you think, well, if you're going to talk about it at home, I guess you're the guy that needs to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And and believe me, all my kids did uh, Sunday school. All my kids did youth ministry. They're all part of it. But I wasn't depending on my church for that. I was the dad. They're my children. I couldn't give this away, back to the general contractor idea. I This is one thing. I could give piano lessons away because I wasn't <laughs> that good at piano, and neither was Barb, my wife. So we hired people to do that. I I played baseball. My kids ran cross-country. I didn't know much. We would occasionally cut a check to a cross-country person. And so all those kind of things, I did not have the expertise, and but I felt I had liberty to bring people in who did have expertise. But in this area, I could not do it. Now, were there youth leaders that impacted my kids? There were and there are, but still, these are my children. I'm the only male on the planet that's going to give accountability to God for my children. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the only person, not the pastor of my church. So, I mean, I've sat in seminars and asked pastors who's responsible. In fact, one day, I put a photo of my five kids. Mm-hmm. This is back when we did PowerPoint still. Uh, <laughs> that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? It was a long time. It was probably 10 years ago. I put a, a picture of my kids up on the uh, PowerPoint screen, and I asked pastors. This was a pastor seminar primarily. And I said, hey, who's responsible? And I picked one of my kids, you know, my fourth-born, Tim, I think was 12 at the time. I said, who's responsible for the spiritual life of Tim Doyle? And, of course, the hands go up, so I pick the first one closest to me. He's a pastor, and, of course, he says, the pastor. I go, okay. And, of course, I'm not here to create arguments. I'm here to kind of get a conversation going. Okay, so the pastor is responsible for the spiritual life of Tim Doyle because he's shepherding God's flock. He's under scare. Tim goes to his church, and everyone's nodding. Yep, yep, yep. I go, okay, who else might be responsible for the spiritual life of 12-year-old Tim Doyle, a guy on the left said, the youth pastor. (laughs) Okay, the youth pastor, because the first hire a church will often make, maybe besides secretary administration, is a youth pastor, right? So, okay, and I'm I'm not, again, I'm trying to play with the guys and be their enemy. I go, who else? Kind of lead a little bit. A guy in the back said, everybody. I go, what? Everybody's responsible to disciple Tim, your son. I go, okay, well, you know, we all have a stake in this. We're a community. We're we're doing this together. We're living life together. I want that. I want a little bit of that going on. And finally, this guy from uh, East Long Meadow, Massachusetts, Dave, he says in the, he's in the, way in the back, he goes, it's your responsibility. You're his dad. I go, okay, option four is, uh, <laughs> it would be me. But again, now, I, there's no exaggeration what I just shared. That really happened and continues to happen. That dialogue, well-intentioned church leaders think and have taken on the responsibility for our own children mm-hmm. because we have given them, we have dropped them off, we have driven them to their Christian school, to the Sunday school, to the Awana program, to the youth ministry program, and they have taken responsibility because we have given it to them and we've kind of made an exchange. Here, you're good at this. You played the guitar. You went to Bible college. I'm an engineer. 
I'm an accountant. I do my thing. You do your thing. And here they go. And it just, all the data, which I'm sure our listeners are aware of, it, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, probably around the same time, 10 years ago, Lifeway and Barna started to come out with data that said 70% of kids who grow up in Bible teaching churches will not continue to attend church and live by faith after age 20. They will punt and move on. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking 7%. I'm talking about 70%. That means more than two out of three. Never mind reaching lost kids. I'm talking about our own children, our sons and daughters. Who grow up hearing the gospel and grow up hearing the word of God. Every day. Every every week they're in church, their their parents are checking the boxes, and it's not happening. So we can't continue to do the same thing and expect different results. So that's why we're more intentional than ever, our ministry and other ministries as well, about equipping dads, giving dads the tools and the training that they need in order to be God's man in the home. Well, I uh, we're about to have to break for the news Uh, So I want to just highlight again how people can get in touch with you. One, not only for the fatherhood tune-up, but even to hear more about Iron Sharpens Iron to support the ministry. Um, Are you speaking locally for people here? So you can also uh, get Brian, uh, who has spoken all over the country and probably the world. I'm sure. More more of the country. Yeah, more of the country. Uh, (laughs) But uh, anyway, you can go to ironsharpensiron.net. That's ironsharpensiron.net. And if you click on the menu, it'll say about. It'll say you donate, blog, store. There's all. It tells you where all the conferences are. And some of the conferences are in pretty cool places. So you can just take a day trip. Or not a day trip. Actually, it'd be a probably a weekend trip and go to one. But uh, click on the about, and you can uh, go to contact us and get in touch with Brian. When we come back, he's going to talk to us about the fatherhood tune-up, and we'll just hear more of his heart for discipling men. And as always, you can go to SWATradio.com, and you'll be able to click on this past program and listen to it uh, after the fact and share it with others. Uh, We'll be right back with more SWAT Radio after the break. Next Friday, we start June. Next week, we're into June. That's hard to believe, isn't it, Brian? I mean, uh, yep, summer's we, coming. Yeah, it's it's already here, temperature-wise. Uh, hey, uh, just a quick public service, too. Um, you know, you might want to uh, get, get a little hurricane preparedness ready because uh, we live in a state where we get those kind of tropical conditions, and uh, you don't want to wait 
till it's too late. So just I'd start thinking about some of those things. I saw the generators out at the store and the gas cans and all that. And uh, by the way, now to fill up a five dollar gas can, I mean a five gallon gas can, costs you about thirty bucks. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, we've got Brian Doyle and Brian. I know you're celebrating like me. I, I a shout out to my daughter Ellie, um, my uh, second adopted daughter Ellie as graduating uh, tomorrow from high school. I'm so proud of her. Uh, she, um, you know, we adopted Ellie as the second of five uh, kids from China we adopted. And uh, it, it's such a, a God thing, the way he orchestrated it all. But to see her uh, graduate with a four or five and, a, you know, just great future ahead of her. And uh, God took her off the streets of China where she was pretty much not valued and said, I value you and I'll take care of you. And, uh, and I'm so excited. And you just had a son graduate from the Coast Guard Academy. That I was did. pretty special too, yep. wasn't it? That was last, uh, last Wednesday. So very fun. Uh, you know, that's again, these markers as dads, mm-hmm. that's cause that's what we are, right? We're talking as dads. We're excited as dads. We're proud as dads. These are the markers that uh, continue. You know, you think about the life. I'm 64 now. Well, there are certain markers that are those highlights that uh, build the uh, depth of the father-son, the father-daughter relationship. And you want to celebrate them. You you know, and so, yeah, you want to post them on social media. You want to do a big shebang. That's what dads do. We don't give this away to anybody else. You do it yourself. You plan. You prepare. Even when you said it's June next week, immediately what came to mind, Doug, was if you're a dad and you're listening to us today, what do you have planned for this summer? Yeah. Do you have Do you have some kind of vacation? You think, well, you know, money's a little tight. Doesn't have to cost a lot of money. But have you Have you thought through? Have you planned something that marker? Because I know from doing what we're going to talk about, fatherhood seminars, fatherhood tune-ups. Most of the mem- memories of adult men, and if you're an adult man, think about it for yourself, most of the memories, the clear, compelling memories that linger with adult men from their childhood are often those vacation memories. They are. You know, I was thinking about that the other day, and my dad and mom listened. And by the way, uh, dad, I will not be live on Father's Day, so happy Father's Day early. But, you know, my dad's 88, and he was a fireman. And uh, my mom was a nurse. And I remember when I think about my childhood growing up, what I remember is the summer vacations to Gatlinburg, to, uh, you know, to Rock City, to Six Flags, you know, to that we would just he, every summer we would go. And part of the fun was the trip itself. Uh, we're so segmented today. Oh, I, I don't think people do it as much as they used to do. Well, I think if they don't, and I think you're right, sometimes they don't. There's other things that are are interfering. Life is clutter. Careers are hard. All those kind of things. But really it comes down to the men, the dads, the husbands are not leading the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just figure it out. I mean, we figure it out in other areas of life. This is an area we figure it out. Uh, You only have your children for so long under your roof. While they're there under your roof, you celebrate that, you plan it, you execute. So you're building memories and markers 
that they will take with them because this is part of them building roots. Mm-hmm. You think roots are so important. The scriptures talk about roots. Mm-hmm. You need roots because guess what? They're going to move out of your house and the storms are going to come. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's just going to be all downhill. There's going to be storms. And how deep are those roots? Well, it's been my personal experience, both as a son and as a father, is that these summer vacation, these markers, these graduations are part of what build deep roots, deep family roots, deep roots in our walk with God, building memories of feeling belonged. I'm part of something that's bigger than myself. I'm not just myself. I'm part of a tribe. One of my favorite seminars I do at the Iron Shepherds Iron Conference is called Leading and Loving Your Family Tribe. Mm. Because part of what, I, what I've learned my own life, Doug, and what I want men to learn is that it's not just about you, your wife, and your two children. Mm-hmm. It's about your tribe. Mm-hmm. You, you, If you're willing, if you raise your hand and you say, here, God, here am I, send me, he'll send you into your nieces and your nephews, your aunts and your uncles, your grandparents, your grandchildren, all this extended family that all needs a patriarch, mm-hmm. someone who is the... Uh, the leader of this spiritual family, someone who they can count on, someone they can go to, someone that will shepherd. You know, obviously, uh, the scriptures when in First Peter 5, when Peter's writing the elders, he says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, shepherd God's flock that's under your care. And then he kind of lays out what that looks like. Well, I think that every man that shows up at church on Sunday morning is a shepherd. He's got a flock. Someone's got to shepherd that flock. Mm -hmm. And it's not the job of the guy up front. It's not that they got the job of the youth pastor. It's that man's job. And I want to help that man succeed. I want to help him succeed with the most important relationships that he'll ever have in his life. The people that he already loves the most. You don't have to convince a dad to love his children. Mm. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years is that marketplace ministry for Christians, is dismal. Dismal. I mean, I could you know sugarcoat it, but I'm not going to. Yeah. It's dismal. It's not working. Yeah. I go to Marketplace Ministries. I say, would you like to know why it's not working? They go, wait, you know? I go, yep. I know. God told me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> would you like to hear? So here it is. I'll give you my one-minute version. One of, the re- one of the main reasons that men in general, Christian men, are not uh, aggressive, effective, fruitful ambassadors in the marketplace outside the home is because they are not fruitful ambassadors for Jesus inside the home. Mm-hmm. We're trying to help them be ambassadors for Jesus outside the home when we've never helped them be ambassadors inside the home. The people outside the home, we're trying to convince them and persuade them to love them unconditionally mm-hmm. and build bridges to get to know them. They've already got a constituency in their home that they absolutely love and adore and who love and adore them, but we won't give them the tools, the training, the encouragement, and accountability to be God's man, an ambassador for Jesus inside the home. If we do that, when we do that, because some do, when we do that, that guy now has a platform and a story to tell, a God story, and he brings it with him outside of the home into where he spends much of his time. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't have a story... He's not telling it. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, let me just pray. Lord, I pray for the men who are listening mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. Who, um, who long to be ambassadors for Jesus outside the home. Lord, I pray that you'd give them favor inside the home right now, 
May, June of 2022. And for the guys who haven't quite got there yet, that uh, have been given this away uh, accidentally, still good intentions, but just kind of following the path of modern-day American Christianity, that they would dig in. They would begin to read the scriptures with their own family. They'd begin to pray together with their family. They'd begin to do things, create markers, take their kids out on dates, pray with their wife, do the things that godly men do to create an environment of uh, being the prophet and priest of their own home. That They don't need to go to Bible college, Lord. You know they don't. They're getting the training right now as they uh, listen to SWAT radio. Mm. So I pray for favor for those men. Give them courage to step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, you know, this fatherhood tune-up, Yeah. kind of like if, if a guy has, let's say a guy meets in a small group yeah. at a church and he, he, he's been wanting to do something with the guys, how would they go about, you said go to Iron Sharpens Iron and, and contact you, but when they get in touch with you, oh, Brian, we want to do this, you send them an email, okay, this is what it looks like. What kind of take us through the process of what it would look like right. for some guys in the community to reach out to you and what that would look like, this fatherhood tune-up? Well, certainly, if they have someone like me who's in northeast Florida or one of our guys who's in different parts of the country, they would show up live. But that's the main network. Then we just do these Zoom seminars, which is going to take about 75 minutes. Pretty easygoing, pretty relational. Again, it's dads talking to dads. And so, so I'll just take, can we walk through a couple of things that we talk about to give them a little yeah, flavor of yeah, what it might yeah, look like? Yeah, so, so but, but I just want to be clear. So even if somebody, because we have people that listen out in Idaho, right? right? So if somebody in Idaho wants to do this, they yeah. can reach out to you. Yeah, and You're going to do these guys, online, right? I we mean, have them online, and we have guys in Idaho. Okay. Yep. Okay, so he, there's do. people all over the country yep. with Iron Sharpens Iron that can do this. And so, um, so yeah, just talk like who's the seminar for, obviously right. fathers, but um, what what kind of fathers? What if I'm, I'm not really, you know, I'm not even that active in church. Right. I just turned on the radio and if heard you, this if thing. You're, if you're a father and you're breathing, <laughs> this is for you. And, I, and I'm talking about... You know, you talk about a guy who's not going to church or has maybe, you know, kind of slacked off a little bit. You know, I was a little league coach for six years. One of the things I've learned, first of all, that was awesome mm-hmm. to be a little league coach. I just think everybody who's everybody, listening everybody should do should that. be a little league coach. Yeah, I, I, well, Especially I would, if you're a Christian man, because yeah. you're gonna, you're not even going to understand what opportunities. I just did it because I want to be around my boys. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden I've got these little men who are coming up who are looking at me with these big guys and I'm the most important male in their life because of what's going on in their life, all of a sudden they've got a coach that because I'm a Christ follower and I'm, I bring the flavor and aroma of Jesus, you know, these guys, I become the most significant male in their life. I, what's my intention? I just wanted to coach my boys in baseball. But it's just, it just step into it, do these kind of things, right? Yeah. Like a little. So, so these fathers seminars. Why do we make such a big deal about fatherhood? Because it is a starting place of ministry for every man. Mm-hmm. It's the most important ministry to do. No one can do your job. You must do it. We're here to help you succeed in the most important thing that you'll ever do. So what, what does that look like? That means you just pull some guys together. We'll do a Zoom seminar. We'll pull it together. There's, there's no cost this kind of stuff. It's just fun. I mean, you get a half dozen guys on the computer for, you know, for an hour. It can be life-changing because 
our tagline, which is, you know, what we really go by and why we minister, is you build men with others in mind. Mm-hmm. When we do these men's conferences, and maybe you've heard me say stuff like this, so say we might have 500 guys at a men's conference, I see thousands of people at that conference, not 500. I see thousands of people because when you build into that man's life, the ripple is very real because, again, it's the design and intention of God. God's designed it so that when you build godly men, they are going to have an impact in those relationships. And when you don't, when you try and skip that step and do it for them and you disengage the man or you don't intentionally include that man, as hard as it may be at times, if you're a pastor, you go, you know, we've tried so much. Just have a hard time. It's not a strong area. I go, you know what? Try harder. (laughs) Try harder. Try different. I'm here to help. You cannot skip God's design. You're doing it your own way. You're making it up on your own. You're not following the the, the scriptures. The scriptures is that Doug McCurry, Brian Doyle, we are responsible for our family. Help us succeed. Mm -hmm. So let's pick a couple things. One of the things I have down here is uh, I have a little tagline I like to share with men. Just say yes. Mm -hmm. Just say yes. Especially you dads with younger kids or you granddads with younger kids. Did you know I'm a granddad? Yeah. How many? How many? Just one. I mean, look at me. Can you you even believe I'm a granddad, how young I look? Oh, well, well, look at me. I've got six. I can't believe that. I I know. Are you kidding me? Yeah. My oldest is eight, and I'm like, I feel so old. But, I mean, I can't believe you only have one. You're, what do you mean? Gonna, I mean, she's, yeah, she's, yeah, seven, yeah, yeah. she's seven months. Yeah. That, there'll be more coming, but they got to get married first. Got to do things in order. Yeah. No, but that not it the greatest thing? Oh, that well, I mean, it's uh, you talk about generational, intergenerational ministry and generational discipleship. So the things that I did with my daughter, Jessica, who's the mom of Eloise, uh, are being now reproduced into my granddaughter's life. That, again... Is the design and intention of God. That's the design. What I what Jessica experienced in her home growing up, she and her husband Andrew are now executing in their home with their own daughter. Again, that's the do- design and intention of God. So one of the things that uh, I like to talk to the men about with little people, the three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds that are mm-hmm. you know that a little bit different maybe with teenagers. But the little people who are just looking to do something with you, you come home from work, you're tired. You kind of go, I'm tired. Uh, I need to eat. Just relax. It. You know, dads, I'm sorry, sit in the driveway as long as it takes to get uh, your energy to the appropriate level so that you're not giving your family leftovers. Mm-hmm. You do not want to give your family leftovers. Give other people leftovers, not your family. When you come home, you got to trust God for a new sense of purpose, energy, and vitality so that you can be all in for your family, right? That's what you want to be. You want to be all in. So when I would come home, I remember I, the office was an, uh, maybe a mile from our home. I would often come home for lunch just to kind of break up the day a little bit. And my little guys, for a season, were very much into Legos. You know what Legos are? You build them. Yeah, yeah. They were really into it. And I'd come home, and often they were playing with Legos. Uh, and, I'd, and they'd say, hey, Dad, you want to play? Well, the, answer, the truthful answer would be, not really. just want to have some lunch. But um, here's the tagline. Just say yes. 
So I learned if I just said, yes, yes, I'd like to do that. I'd sit down, I'd play Legos maybe for three, four minutes, and we'd build a little something. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to go get something neat. Okay, thanks, Dad. And be like, I just was the man. I was the man. I played Legos for three to four minutes. Yeah. Another example, I'm in the, uh, I, I come home and the kids get a little bit older. Now they're nine, 10, 11. They're shooting baskets in the driveway. We always had a basket and basketballs. The kids, three boys shooting baskets. And uh, they'd come, I'd come home or I'd wander around or I would just be in the house and be invited out. Yeah. And uh, the kids would go, hey, Dad, you want to shoot some baskets? Truthful answer, not really, but... Just say yes. Yes, I would. I'd go outside. I'd shoot baskets. Maybe we'd play around the world a horse. It would take maybe five minutes. On a really long day, 10 minutes. And then I'd say, okay, i got to go back in and finish one. Okay, thanks, Dad. And it's like, again, I'm not, I, I, if I just would say yes to some, they weren't looking for three-hour commitment. Most of our kids are not looking for that. They're looking for do something with me. Let's do something together. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Brian, because I um, I think back to my kids. And, and I, I do want to say something to parents out there because I was sharing with Brian before the uh, program. If you, if you have a large family and you build into your kids, there's no guarantee that they're going to follow Jesus, or at least maybe in your lifetime. They may not. It may be after you're gone, or they may not ever. You, but, but our responsibility is to lead them in the faith and, like Brian says, to engage. And I remember for me, I was a baseball, football, basketball guy. I, I, that was my three sports, and right. I, I loved them all, and I wanted my kids to grow up. I was a baseball player in college, and I wanted them to be baseball players. They did not like baseball. They liked skateboarding they like rollerblading they like motocross and so getting out of my comfort zone into their world allowed me to have some really good father-son time with them driving out to the motocross track thinking i'm gonna kill myself on this motorcycle out there with them or getting rollerblades on going i feel so stupid on these rollerblades (laughs) But I did it with them. Right. And one day, they're going to remember back to that, even though they may not think about those things now. As their kids get older, because they all have kids now, and they're going to remember back because they know how challenging it was. And I just want to echo what you're saying. Saying yes, even for a few minutes, it's just it's not so much for the kids as it is, it's our responsibility to be there for them and to let them know we love them and we want to be part of their world. And it's not for a result. I just want to throw that in because sometimes we get geared into thinking, if I do this, then God owes me this. And I've heard people say that, and I kind of fell into that a little bit. And I want to warn people that it's not about what happens with your kids. It's what we're commanded to do as God's followers. And I just I appreciate so much you saying just say yes. Uh, but I wanted to warn people, too, that, that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to see a result. I do think that they'll never forget that. Right. Um, and you're, you're building a memory that's not going away. It, you're right. And, and that's that marker. 
you were talking about earlier. Well, we got about five minutes left. Let's go into another one. Can I can I pick one of, of these? Of course. Okay. So, um, you know, what about the research? What do kids say about me? Okay, it's a good one. So uh, one of my, uh, of course, there's a lot of research out there with, <laughs> with Christian kids. Here's one that hopefully will get your attention. As a dad, it certainly got my attention because I'm like, what? <laughs> I love <laughs> I love research that completely blows me away. Uh-huh. So James Dobson, back when he was leading focus on the family, he would have Christian kids from around the nation come out to Colorado Springs for a summer, usually like six weeks or whatever it was, and they would serve and they'd do things. They had a little program as sharp kids mm-hmm. from sharp Christian homes. So one of the things he did one week when he'd have his weekly time with them, he would ask them questions like, if you could ask your parents one thing and get a truthful, confidential answer from them, what would be that one question that you'd really want to know? Well, I don't know if you could think about what it is. I, I, I had some ideas, but we'll cut to the chase. Here's the question. Do they love me? <laughs> Dobson's like, well, they sent you to Colorado Springs. I mean, they paid. I mean, he was stumped as well. We went out there and we spent some time with them, some of them, some men's leaders. We were processing this together. Why would Christian teenagers who are obviously from Christ-centered families ask, say, the one thing they really want to know is, does their father specifically, does their father love them? Hmm. Well, you think, well, you go to work every day, you provide for them, you put a roof on their house, you put clothes, you send them to Colorado Springs, you send them to camp, you send them to church, you, you do all these kind of things. How could they not be completely convinced that you love them? Well, what do you think? I think it's uh, time. Well, it's not only time, but here's what the kid said. Time is part of it. And, and, and it's, it's well said. What they didn't hear, they didn't hear the words. Oh, they never heard their dad say it to They them. didn't hear their dad say the words, I love you. Mm. They intuitively knew that there was love there because their dad did so much for them and sacrificed for them. These are Christian dads. But the Christian dads, and maybe some of the Christian dads are listening today, they just didn't say it. They didn't verbalize it. I think of Matthew 3, 17, where here's the model, God the Father, God the Son. This is a model that we want to copy. God the Father, in the presence of others, when Jesus was baptized, comes out of the water, the dove comes down, and God the Father says, this is my Son, whom I love. Mm -hmm. With him I am well pleased. He verbalized. He didn't just assume it. He verbalized to his his own son and to others around him that he was proud of him and that he loved him. Doug, guys like you and I, for our kids and for our grandkids, we need to look him in the eye and we need to say the words, I love you. And they're going to say something. Oh, I know, I know. know. We're going to say it and we need to say it over and over and over and over. We need to text it. We need to write it. We, we need to not just do it. We need to say it. Lord, I pray mm-hmm. for Doug, for myself, for every man who's listening today, that we would say it, that we would communicate it, mm-hmm. what's already in our heart, what we do feel genuinely, that we'd let it be known. Give us the courage and the intentionality in Jesus' name. You know, 
uh, I'm just listening to you. I was thinking, and we're we're, we're running out of time, but um, I have developed a habit lately where I say it to men as well, and I I, I don't think we say it enough. I agree. And and I and I said it. Uh, you know, there were guys in the Marine Corps that were like brothers, um, and you know, to say I love you to a man. Uh, is is I think of Jonathan and David. They had this unbelievable uh, affection for one another that was a healthy male-to-male relationship that I think because of some of the stuff that's going on in our culture, yeah. we, we've become afraid to say things like that. And I think it is very appropriate, you know, to say to men that we walk arm-in-arm arm with in the battle, I love you. You know, and I, I've gotten to where now when I'm leaving, I say, hey, I just want you to know I love you. And I and I think that's something we can do, not only to our kids and to our wives. And, and you know, a lot, we don't verbalize a lot to our wives sometimes, too. I, well said. And, 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 and so we just need to be more verbal. Yes. So our time has flown. Can we get you back? Of course. <laughs> I want to get you back on because I want to go through this. In fact, maybe we can make it like a – uh, every six to eight week thing we go through these, okay? Hey, real quick, Brian Doyle, Iron Sharpens Iron, and Fatherhood Tune-Up. June is Fatherhood Tune-Up Month. If you would like to get in contact with Brian, you can go to ironsharpensiron.net. That's iron sharpens, plural, iron.net. And just go to the About, click on Contact Us, say, hey, Fatherhood, that's all you got to put, and Brian will get in touch with you. That's and, right. Uh, I hope you guys have a great Memorial Day. Remember, Memorial Day is remembering those who have given their life. I have friends who laid down their life that I know and pray for their families, pray for those uh, who lost loved ones. Remember, freedom is not free. It always costs something. Brian, thank you for being with us. God bless you, Doug. All right. Take care and have a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual